Welcome to Media, Culture, and Why We Feel Like Crying So Much. Each week, we use media theory to make sense of our everyday media habits, practices, and experiences. I'm Stephanie Che. And I'm Grant Latanzi. The change in voice that I do when I read from our script is insane. (laughs) We've been away for a while. Yeah. I guess I should start by explaining what happened because yes, it's kind of please go for so it. so earlier in the summer, <laughs> it's like after the Fourth of July. <laughs> um, for context, we're recording this uh, eleven days into September. It has been just the craziest month. I went out of town and thought I could continue recording, but then decided I was going to take some time off. And then as soon as I got back, I moved and started a new job at the same time, and just had to pause this our socials have been dead we haven't been recording we did do one catch-up episode (laughs) i guess like i was feeling optimistic that week (laughs) to schedule it (laughs) we got it recorded we did so this is going to be spliced with a catch-up whatever's good from that episode with whatever is good from our talk today so yeah that's that's where we are but we will be resuming our normal programming with guests hopefully very uh very soon so this is our our reintroduction into the world of media culture and why we feel like crying so much learning how to talk to a camera again (laughs) cutting out all the filler speech i I had a thought the other day that the hardest part about talking is having a point yeah (laughs) we love rambling (laughs) you can't get your own point you know We'll yeah. talk and you can get your own point from it. Exactly. There is one big, there's several things that have been happening, but one big thing that we've missed that we might do a whole episode on, but I just have been dying to talk about is Donald Trump's mugshot. There was a buildup to it. It was like teased by Rudy Giuliani's mugshot and then the other co-conspirators. And mm-hmm. then finally the big man himself, DJT. And to have that image immediately proliferate online to two completely different interpretations Mm -hmm. to me was the perfect example of what I have kind of been arguing for the past couple years that like culture classically understood like if we understood it in like a Geertzian like semiotic approach to culture that we usually use when you have a hyper-partisan media system that takes critical objects like the Trump mugshot and leads to one group. First, it amasses $7 million in donations from one group and is put on flags. It's like, look how badass or whatever. And another is saying, look at, you know, like this is completely different. Like, look at this bastard, you know, like look at this criminal inmate number, whatever. And I feel like that's, that's exactly like the way that it's happened with the image is how it happens with events and, and political figures and platforms and vaccines and whatever else. And it's kind of, to me, that's like, that's the perfect example of the culture wars or like, I guess like what a hyper-partisan news media environment does to culture. You spoke with a point there. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> what do you what are your thoughts? I wrote down two things. So did you see how there was a fake one before the real one came out? Yeah. I remember the first one came out and everyone was like, oh my god, like here's this mugshot. And then the second one came out and was like, well, wait, this one's fake too. And then I saw it. I think it was New York Magazine posted it. And I was like, wait, this is a reputable organization. Mm-hmm. Like they, they wouldn't have posted the fake one. And it wasn't. Turned out it was the real one. But mm-hmm. the memes that circulated within like an hour of mm-hmm. uh, just basically being like, oh, like, look at the second fake one going around. Like, that mm-hmm. in itself was fascinating to me because all of this, was it hype? And, like, 
the first person to get it out and there there was also a build-up i i I read a political article about the possibility of a donald trump one shot before it even happened like i think it was during one of the first indictments this year because none of the other ones required a mugshot or at least Mm -hmm. if they did it wasn't public and georgia for whatever reason like they knew that it was gonna be public and so Mm -hmm. there was kind of a build-up did it feel real to you like when you saw it or was it just like any other thing that you would see? I, I kind of just like any other thing. Because it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, when you have the first president to ever be indicted, ever criminally indicted, and it happens four times, I feel like a mugshot is so sticky. Like that's mm-hmm. so easy to put in a history book. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It didn't seem real to me until I saw it in print. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand the seriousness of this entire situation. But then I was at a wedding that weekend. It was the after party, and I think it was New York Post had just his, like, mugshot with, like, the headline on the front page. And I looked at that and was like, oh, my God. Like, that's a real thing that happened, not just something that I looked at on my phone. And, I don't know, seeing it in, quote-unquote, real life got it and i think it speaks to your stickiness of like that will be in textbooks it also speaks to the the we are so visual i've been thinking about this a lot Logan Con. like humans are we're, we're such visual creatures and our world is built around our use of sight it's built around all our senses for sure and and all different parts of our anatomy but sight especially if you look at how people engage with their environment right if you're in a new place how do you familiarize yourself Mm-hmm. look around that's how you can always tell who the tourists are in new york <laughs> or anywhere i guess you just look around and what was my point oh the hardest part of talking is <laughs> but also we look at images all day we look at more images than any other people in history in like and... a given hour yeah and first of all there no one knows how to interpret them there's no like (laughs) photographic literacy uh or media literacy as as that we need like a critical media literacy i don't know it becomes like it becomes bigger than a mugshot when it i guess like i'm mugshots are a specific type of image that play different they sort of serve a different role than other images and in different communities like i heard someone in defense of donald trump like make a point like well like when rappers get mugshots taken like it's cool so like this oh should be my cool God. yeah and it's like okay so let's look at mugshots with a little more nuance then mm-hmm. it's a picture taken when you have uh been placed under arrest mm-hmm. so you are at odds with the legal system in some way, in some capacity, and with or without reason, I don't like. Pr- there's probably a reason, um, whether it's problems with the legal system or actions that you committed. Again, though, it's like I don't know. I, I guess just like hearing that argument made me start thinking, like, what is a mugshot, and why do they? Why are there so many public ones? Right, like whenever mm-hmm. a celebrity gets a DUI or something, you see their mugshot. Uh, hmm. Are we are we just talking about context? I guess, yeah. Like, yeah, context matters. Yeah, context matters. Media literacy, context matters. You can't interpret something without its context. Well, I guess you can, but you shouldn't. Is <laughs> right. You can interpret it, but not with any like fidelity to the thing itself. Mm-hmm. You're just speculating. But another thing I wanted to say is, did you hear about the, also with the mugshot, came Trump's height and weight? Yes. Oh my God, that was so funny. <laughs> the self-reported, and then all of these accounts started posting pictures of like, who is actually of that build. Yeah, like okay. NFL players. Yeah, like Joe Burrow. <laughs> oh God. Jesus. Like, that is so good. Yeah. But why? That's like, Here's the thing. I that's is politics just like Hollywood at this Absolutely. point? Like is but is that all like how do we fix that, you know?
I went to Disneyland. <gasps> yes. How yeah. was that? I forgot it you was, did that. Yeah, it was fine. I was really, like, I was going into it, like, you know, like, I went to Disneyland as a kid. It's fine. I just wanted to try to make it interesting. So I was like, I'm going to try to look at things that they're not trying to get me to look at and see what mm. I see. Mm-hmm. Because Disney's very good at, like, well, look over here. And, and everyone yep. does because it's usually something really sick going on. So right away, I show up and there's, like, you know those signs that you see in stores sometimes that are like, are like, this substance has been found in the state of California to cause cancer. Yeah. That is in, that is everywhere in California now. So they must have some new state law or guidelines, but like that warning is everywhere, including as you walk into Disneyland. All the other signs are these big, like, walk over here. And then there's this tiny little green sign. It's like, the Disneyland Resort contains chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer, birth defects, or reproductive harm. Like, that's... Cool. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Yeah. And I was I, I was just thinking, like, this is so silly because there's no way that when they passed this law, they thought this would, like, who does this help? Nobody. No one. I don't think anyone else even saw it. And, like, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to see it and leave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just took out a loan to bring my family to Disneyland. People will do it on credit. Also, so now Disneyland is changing. Have you been Boy. to the Disney parks? Yeah. Okay. So my whole life, the main component of the Disneyland parks has been the lines. Most of the day is spent waiting in line. Yeah. That is changing. They've changed how they do fast pass. They've changed how they do, like, they accommodate for, like, people in wheelchairs or other people with disabilities. But what it amounts to is instead of going to wait in line, I get in a queue on my phone. Okay. And then I can walk around the park eat, shop, whatever, and then go when it's my time. But okay. what that, people I was with and like other people, they're like, yeah, like super, like so helpful. Like we can get on so much stuff now and like we don't have to wait in line. And I was, I was like, yeah, but what it created was a new algorithm for us to follow to get on the rides. And that often took the shape of like the three people that were coordinating with their phones that had the Disney app. They'd all stand in a little triangle under the blazing sun, can't see anything glaring on your phone, making the plan. And I was like, so you're basically like, they have forced us into this, not forced, Disneyland, bought a ticket. Way They're manipulating the, the way it's, you... it's It's now reflecting how I, not only how I do everything else, but also like, it doesn't work very well. Especially with that, like that moment of like standing with the sun beating down on your phone, can't see a thing. If your phone dies, you're fucked. You're, if your phone dies, you're fucked. Yeah. And they do have charging stations. And oh, like of course chargers you can buy. That was just interesting. So like this is a new, Di- Disneyland has like accommodated. They're starting okay. to accommodate that in how they design and manage crowds. Two things that come to mind on this. First off, if you're not waiting in line, you can go buy stuff. Mm. Two, mm-hmm. how, so I know amusement parks whatever have ways of keeping count of like how many people go on what ride how long the wait time is blah 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 but now with you planning everything on your phone and i'm thinking about data and data collection how much more extensive it has gotten on like you can really get the nitty-gritty of how one visitor goes about their time in this park yeah. mm-hmm it's weird. Disneyland is like a police state. It's invasive. Like they go through all your stuff and I get it, you know, a lot of people yeah. doing like airport style security, but it's like, you're not the federal government. You're a private corporation. Yeah. A lot of places do that, but it was still, I was like, there's thousands and thousands of people in this park right now. And it is designed in such a way that there's no visible force or restrictions or like protection like it's all very much like like most of security is in plain clothes you can't really see them it's not like there's police like coming up to you and there's not loiterers Mm because like it's it's i don't know especially the fact that like when you enter there's main street that kept making me think of simulate ground simulation and i actually think that was baudrillard's example I have a paper I can share in the description really? of this. Yeah. Okay. A classmate of ours did research on Disneyland and they talked about Main Street. So. Interesting. 
Yeah, because that's what I was thinking about. I was like, this is a simulation of a main street. It's a simulation, uh, a, a replica of an idea yeah. that doesn't exist in reality. Although I do think parts of it are that are based on real buildings. Um, also, imagine if you like stay in their resorts. You like don't leave Disney for however long you're there. Yeah, the compound. Yeah. The last thing I saw that I wanted to really focus on that I found very interesting is the caricature artists. So Disney, you can get a caricature done. Have you ever had a drawing done like that? You go sit in a chair, 15 minutes to draw something. Mm -hmm. You don't go sit anymore. You send what? them a picture. Get the fuck a, out of here. No, yeah. There's what? a bunch of people sitting around with their phones Get out of look, here. They look at the phone. They draw a little bit. Look back at the phone. Yeah. I, I took a picture of them. I have it right here. Of the caricature artists. What? Yep. Why? For some reason, that to me changes the activity completely. Absolutely. And it be, and it's like, why not just send it off to an Etsy shop? Or have AI do it? Like I don't know. It was, I was just like, you're going to be like, I'm a Disneyland. I want a caricature. Whip. All right. I'll go pick it up now. Like. You just robbed yourself but, of the whole experience getting yeah. your caricature done. I hate that they're getting rid of any sort of waiting or downtime. And it's all like, you can do more. You can like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the one hand, I get it though. Because it's like, I paid $100 to get into Magic Kingdom. And I spent six hours waiting in line while I was there. You know, like, so I, to an extent, I, I get the impulse. The thing is... Disney is like a utopia. It's clean. There's trash cans everywhere. There's really no like discernible threats. The staff is accommodating, like good customer service. Like it, it feels like pretty like safe. And it's so, it's so controlled. Every minute is controlled. And the thing that frustrates me is like now the way that it's controlled, if I want to enjoy even Disneyland, got to do it right here. Got to lock into this device. Mm -hmm. manipulate some some graphical user interfaces and get what I want to get. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, especially with Disney where it's like, I'm kind of grumpy about it regardless of how you're going to do it because I think you're shit. Love your movies. Hate the corporation. It's also strange now it's hitting me. This maybe is turning into like my Disney episode, but uh, <laughs> the fact that Disney, that's someone's name, without the the, the infrastructure and access to entertainment media like Disney makes. I don't even know if there's a, co a comparison. It's like, they're not a state. They're a company, but they're like more than a company. It's an ideological force. Right around after 4th of July is Bastille Day. You've heard of this? Yeah. This is an ad by a company called Tushy. And it looks like they make bidets. And they had a sale on Bastille Day. And they said, okay. it's Astille Day. This is an isolated instance of a very common trend. On Valentine's Day, I'm going to see Valentine's Day ads. Mm -hmm. uh, Christmas, I mean, I, starting around Halloween, I'm going to start seeing Christmas ads. It's almost distasteful. Astille Day. People died. It's the revolution against tyranny. And you're using, I don't know. It's like, I'm not offended. Especially, like, I'm not French. But to, that just to me, I was like, that's a little dystopian. Oh, celebrity podcasts. Mm -hmm. I have seen so many of them. Mainly, like, Disney Channel stars. Like, Alison Stoner, is that her name? She just wow. came out with a podcast. I've been seeing more of Penn Badgley, though the Wizards of Waverly Place, Harper and my dad have a podcast and they're talking <laughs> about their time like on uh -huh. Disney Channel. Why is this happening? Uh -huh. There is sort of this, this, um, this interest. I think it's been around for a while with like fan culture, but I think it's, it's kind of having a moment, almost like a true crime type moment where like we all heard uh, Jeanette McCurdy's mm -hmm. testimony about being a child star and there are so many dramatic stories uh from disney star like look at miley cyrus's story you know mm -hmm. like have you seen the interview of her talking about like 
her schedule when she was yeah. 14. Oh my God. Horrible. Yeah. I, I can't believe I, when I was 14, like if someone looked at me the wrong way, I would like want to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I can't even <laughs> imagine being that, that, that prominent in the public eye. I think people are just really interested in like, I enjoyed this thing as a kid and it was sort of like, like I was, rem- I want to see now backstage. Like I want to see behind the scenes has always been appealing, but it's sort of having like a moment. Are you, did you ever watch that 70s show? No. There is major drama going yeah. on with that 70s show. about the drama. <laughs> yeah. Because, because you know, I mean, it's like Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis gotten really hot water for this letter they wrote on behalf of this guy, Danny Masterson, who is a convicted rapist. But there's all this drama because this other actor on the show had always been in like tabloids for being stuck up and not wanting to hang out with the other people. And now these things are coming out about how toxic it was on set and yeah. how he was like, just kind of like, like he had never done any acting before he was recruited from a school play and was like I, he just didn't he was uncomfortable and mm-hmm. it's sort of so he's sort of being vindicated right now and it's this whole thing but it's that same appeal that you're saying of like I don't know it's interesting because celebrities before uh, digital media like back in the broadcast era they wouldn't have necessarily had a platform for that like no. maybe they could write a memoir or something or go on a uh, uh, go on like the tonight show but, but that's I don't... still other people's control exactly it's not like your platform to share your experience and it's kind of like in that sense the humans behind celebrities like i love that it's like harper and the dad because it's like mm-hmm. they're not a-listers right like i feel like i could relate to them as just people who have this crazy experience yeah making a major disney television show Remember Selena Gomez's documentary about her mental health journey? So many people were like, Selena Gomez, we like you're rich and famous. We don't care about your mental health challenges. But now we have these celebrity podcasts and we're like, there's a group of comments that I've seen that are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Like we didn't know any of this, obviously, like as we were watching the show. And then another group being like, it's been 10, 20 years. Like, why are we, why are we talking about this? Mm-hmm. And people, just that like breakdown of reception. I think like when media is such a big part of everything we do and the mass, you know, the media that we consume together is such a big part of how we interact and understand and relate it makes perfect sense that people would want to see how the sausage gets made. Mm-hmm. I think it, 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 that sort of curiosity of like, how, how did this thing come to be? And like, how were the people treated that, that created like with the writer's strike right now too, mm. there's all sorts of testimony coming out from big actors who are also in the writer's guild about like, Oh yeah, like I wrote for this thing and I made $6. Like, I guess that's different, but I think, it makes sense people would be interested in that to me breakdown of the industry like are we Mm -hmm. (laughs) taking it apart from the inside out are we taking it apart or are we just making it transparent definitely transparent but like there's no way to go back to how it was right i i think there's a lot of reasons for that i got just it's all kind of icky show business is icky Oh, I watched Barbie. Oh, how was it? It was, I enjoyed it a lot. It's right up our alley. <laughs> okay. I, I, I kind of could tell based okay. on how people are talking about it. I haven't seen it yet though. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about any of the Barbie Heimer stuff. Mm-hmm. So what an interesting crossover that that was. Not only between Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I only recently learned that the actor's name is pronounced Killian Murphy and not Cillian so really yeah killian i don't know i'm exilian i didn't know that (laughs) uh yeah but it's not only a crossover between barbie and you know uh weapons of mass destruction it is also a crossover between old and new media because we have film which historically Mm -hmm. has been very sort of like i don't know it's the silver screen and like film before digitization was a much more physically involved process it was like equated to like crafting a work of art you Mm -hmm. know 
these two films as they come out, like there's this whole new dynamic introduced in the weeks and months leading up to it because of new media, digital media, um, social media, whatever. That was very interesting to watch and hilarious. It's frustrating because on one hand, it's kind of just viral marketing, but on the other, it is like, it, it did create kind of like an event for people yeah. that people seem to really enjoy and like. I haven't been going to movie theaters like this in so long. I remember like the Twilight Midnight premieres. Oh, yeah. I was there like yeah. in my Twilight shirt, but like I was, okay, side note again, I don't own anything pink. I learned this when I was trying to go to this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you wear pink. No. <laughs> so I, well, that's one thing. No, but like people going to the theater to do this double feature, I haven't seen movie theater going like that in so long. And it was kind of fun to witness. Yeah. Was it, were there a lot of people there when you went? Yes. We cool. went on like a Wednesday or Thursday night and it was packed and like we also booked online and we were trying to like find our seats and we had to pick like three different times to see which one had like two seats in the same like oh, row wow. yeah yeah we had trouble getting seats there was one night where we were like maybe we could go try to see one of them and yeah it was full which i have not had happen in so long yeah i wonder here's what i'm worried about is like now there's gonna be copycats like there's gonna be there already two, like, is one. Really? What is it? It's um. Hold on. Let me look this up. We were literally just talking about because it's like this happened organically, and now yeah. it's gonna become a marketing tactic. Mm-hmm. Which I I already hate that. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's already become a marketing tactic. The Barbie team was on it the minute it became a thing. Maybe they even created it. I can't find it, but it's, like, with an animated movie and another, like, funny movie. It's not, like... Oh, yeah. I think I saw that, too. <laughs> but I kind of, like, I had this feeling. I was, like, I feel like there's going to be a time where there's, like, two very different kids' movies coming out. Or, like, you know, like, a horror movie and a rom-com or something. Like, mm-hmm. any time... Like, I feel like studios could so easily, like, sync up release dates mm-hmm. and, like... Ugh. Like, just the fact I that like I can th- I don't like it, and I hate that I can anticipate it. Yeah. It's also kind of happened before. I heard some people referencing, like, I don't know if it's the same day or same week or whatever, but when Animal Crossing New Horizons came out, is that the newest one? I think that's the newest one. The new Animal Crossing for the Switch came out at this, the same time as uh, new, like, Doom Eternal or something came out. So there was a bunch of overlap with, like, the Doom, Doom Marine, like, a demon-killing jacked guy, and Isabel, a cute little dog. Yeah. Crossing. Same, same idea. People really like to see things that they, like, didn't know interacted interact. The MCU. Mm-hmm. When the first time, the first post credit scene, I think it was for the Hulk movie, Iron Man shows up and is like, hey, we're teaming up. That's a big deal. Because, like, he's not supposed to be in this movie. And I feel like that's with this this sort of, like, multiverse era of entertainment that we're moving into where everything is a universe. People, like, they love that shit. They love when, like, oh, like, he showed up and he's from that thing? Like, I, I wonder if it's, if it's as simple as our... Like, oh, I know that person. Like, it's just sort of like, hey, like, you're here. To me, I already feel like what Disney has done with the heroes of the Avengers and, like, their other groups. Or, like, Paw Patrol. They've created, like, a reality, literally, like, a reality parallel to ours that is... it it, We can only access it through screens and through other materials, like, like toys and flags and banners or whatever t-shirts we're getting deeper and deeper with our media more prolific more immersive we're continuing that trend and it's like at a certain point these these fiction universes with these people that none of us actually know played by people that aren't the real thing like that's not really them i don't know it's just weird it feels almost like it's encroaching the kind of the main example I can think of is like how I can I can use Captain America as a like 
a way to allude to a set of virtues or like mm. an aesthetic or something like mm-hmm. it has explanatory power it has meaning i don't think it had that when it was just comic books maybe it did maybe like superman when it was like a really famous yeah. comic book it worries me because it's like like people like you see an ad and it's like oh like batman's telling me to buy a jeep <laughs> oh, i um, fucking hate that like that's it's yeah. weird right it's a weird and it's weird that like these people, these entities in my life, like, like Elmo, Elmo has more of a carnal form because they're a puppet, but like Elmo comes to me through media and exists in my life. It's a parasocial relationship with a fictitious thing. Mm-hmm. Even if I know they're fictitious and don't put much stake in it, I still have a relationship to Elmo. I don't know. This It's just weird to me. Let's talk about things like TV shows and movies putting in frames or one-liners or jokes or whatever, sound bites with the obvious intent of making a, some sort of viral, like a TikTok sound, meme, whatever. Hate it. Me too. And it's so obvious. Songs too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know that this was just made for a dance on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And they, like, try to make it go viral by having the person, like, do the dance. And it's like, that's not how this works. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird that, like, circulating the thing or, like, making people aware of the thing is almost more important than the thing itself. Mm -hmm. Because that sacrifices, in a lot of cases, like, sacrifices quality or integrity. Yeah. Like, manufacturing value, authenticity, it's different when it just happens than when it's manufactured. Yeah, I think so, too. Also, I think Paw Patrol is one of the movies that's overlapping with another movie. No, I think you're right. I think (laughs) I saw that. I don't remember what the other one was. Yeah. Here's what's going to make me just endlessly angry if I'm Mm -hmm. ever a parent is that I know these shows are made to sell toys and the toy sales dwarf the ticket sales. Mm -hmm. Merch is is so important. Like the lunch boxes and like... Lunchboxes, Funko Pops. Like, I mean, look how many people... I fucking hate Funko Pops. Sorry if you have one. It's just such a waste. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, I don't have any. I think they're so wasteful. People have like... Whoa. It's like, just like watch a movie that you like. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, if you're into Funko Pops... Live your life. Yeah. Yeah, I I know my kid's going to be like, oh, like, I want to get like these, this action figure set or whatever. And like, of course I was the same way. Mm Mm-hmm. But I want to be like, they're manipulating you, kid. Like, they, they showed you that movie, so you would buy that thing. Yes. How how rare is it to see a toy that's not from a franchise? Dude, I'm thinking about all the One Direction figures and lunchboxes <laughs> and notebooks. You can just have a lunchbox. Mm-hmm. Also, like, is it... It's Because then, with things like that, lunchboxes, t-shirts bracelets tattoos i mean all all different ways that we express ourselves bumper stickers to me like when i see someone walking around with like a star wars shirt Mm -hmm. it's like that doesn't really tell you about anything because it's like every anyone could wear that i guess but I don't know. It's like, I can't put on a shirt like that and not feel like I'm like demonstrating, like I value Star Wars. Yeah. And so I can't like, I'm wearing a shirt right now. This is a Monet shirt. I'm very picky with the t-shirts, the graphic tees I'll wear. This one's fine. But like, I'm not going to wear one with a big Nike swoosh. I'm not going to wear one. I might wear one with Buzz Lightyear on it. That was my next example. Cause I like Buzz Lightyear, yeah. but that's an example there. Like, it's like, I identify with this. And so yeah. I put it on a shirt and I put that shirt on my body. And something about that makes me feel kind of embarrassed when I do. I have a, you know, the discourse of like wearing band tees and not knowing like the band. Yeah. Where does that fit into this conversation? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Because the I'm main- all for wear whatever you want. And, like, you mm-hmm. don't have to know. Like, it could just be a cool t-shirt and have yeah. on. The only thing that I really remember from that sort of talk area is, uh, talk area. Discourse. <clears throat> I don't know. Yep. <laughs> is, like, the, like, like old dudes going up to, you know, 
young women in like a Guns N' Roses t-shirt and be like, oh, I like Guns N' Roses name five of their songs. Which that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where like, it's an interpretive tool for people that see mm -hmm. you. Even if it's not meant that way. The thing that I keep coming back to is, I guess, go, everyone go listen to our culture industry episode. Because like these things are manufactured. It's like wearing like a Mr. Clean shirt. <laughs> Except not as funny. Let's talk about birthdays. For the first time in a while, was I didn't feel like posting anything, so I wasn't going to. I ended up posting a little something in the new apartment that alluded to the fact that it was my birthday mm -hmm. as a joke. And then I ended up getting a bunch of happy birthday messages and learned that like I haven't been publicly displaying my birthday. So I think back to like when Facebook used to say like, it's such and such his birthday. And that was such yeah. a novel thing for us all to be like, oh, like I'll go wish him like a thing. And then we can all see birthday messages. But now it's so, it's like, it's like the social media part is like part of my birthday every year. I'm just gonna say, okay, like making a spectacle of everyday shit. I'm thinking about full circle, thinking about like, Barbie and like going to concerts and shit and how everybody now has to dress up and post a photo and like for birthdays you're dressing up you're posting a photo to be like I did this thing this is whatever one I think it's really cute that people are so into what they like that they dress up for like a Harry Styles concert, a Taylor Swift concert, Barbie. It was so fun to see people dressed in pink at the movie theater. That is fun. But also doing it for the purpose of like going to a Taylor Swift concert, a lot of people or even Harry Styles, like a lot of people know that they are going to be making TikToks. They know that they're going to post an Instagram, so you want to look your best. And then going to a concert in just, like, a t-shirt now is like, oh, like, you, you didn't dress up? You missed up? an opportunity to dress yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why, why are we doing this? Like, why is this now such a normal thing? And, like, I felt bad if I didn't have, like, an incredible outfit yeah. to go to a concert. That's such a good point. I have two thoughts. One is a little more surface level and the other is a little more, a little deeper, I guess. Mm -hmm. Surface level, like, I think I kind of started observing after the pandemic, people really, like, just a little bit more, like, street fashion culture. And I have, obviously, I have a lot of problems with fast fashion and just the way that, like, styles change is so annoying. It's like, mm -hmm. it's just to keep you buying shit. But... I, it is a way to express yourself and I'm all about that. And I think that like the fact that we are sort of swaying back towards a like, it's okay to like care about how you dress, I guess. Like that is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I do think part of it could have to do with the pandemic. So I know for me, like I definitely started dressing up more after that. Cause I was like, oh, God, finally going out of the house. Yeah. And then the other thing is like for concerts, you're so, you're exactly right. Like, I know at Taylor Swift concerts, I think she, that you're supposed to, like, dress up as an album, right? Yeah, an um, era. Yeah, an era. My sister just went to one and was telling me all about it. And they have, you make, like, friendship bracelets yep. and you trade them with people. So cute. But, but anyways, like, you can look around at concerts, like, especially these big ones. And everyone's dressed up as if they're performing, as if they're the ones performing. Mm -hmm. Because they are for their socials yes it is a front stage they are on display just as not not just as much harry styles is on display for the whole fucking world but they're on display for could be thousands of people i never thought of it that way until you, you said that it's like you get dressed up to go to instagram yeah also if you are not on tiktok and instagram and you don't know there's this like norm that you're dressing up and making friendship bracelets and you show up to this thing without friendship bracelets like it's I, expected that you primed your experience yeah with the media around it do you feel left out of it if you show up and like everybody's a part of this no yeah. because of the media yeah. and like you just wanted to see your favorite, like, pop star. You're not on social media. Like, 
So much of it is like being in both places. It also reminds me of like what you said the other day. It was one of the Jenners, I think, went to a music festival in like oh Orlando, Coachella Florida. and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like oh, like a new direction, groundbreaking. Like, yeah, like <laughs> wearing simple clothing. Um, it's interesting because that that's I think that's directly related to what we're talking about. And in some ways, this whole dynamic is as old as time. Like, I remember learning about theater in the French neoclassic era and learning about how much of it was for nobility and, like, courts to go I fuck each other, basically. And, like, you know, like, it was about going somewhere to see and be seen. Yeah. Not so much to watch. With concerts, it's, I think it it can absolutely be both. You can't deny that that component of like being seen is there, which is so interesting when you're one in a crowd of a hundred thousand, but yet you feel seen by Mm -hmm. the people in your digital small town. That being said though, like enjoy your concerts and dress up if you think it's fun. It's so fun. The masterpieces that have come out. Pretty much every concert I've been to, I've been to a good amount. Like it's hard to have bad vibes at a good concert. So did you ever puffy paint shirts for concerts? Puffy? No. What's oh that? Oh my god. So, do you know what puffy paint is? It rings a bell. I'm going to pull it. I'm gonna... Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah, puffy. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I completely forgot about this. Yeah. And like puffy painting shirts for concerts oh, like the yeah. Jonas Brothers. I, we did it at like summer like... camps and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like spirit days and shit. Uh-huh. Like... Yes. Yeah. You did that for concerts? Yeah. That's so different. <laughs> what did you do a puffy paint for? We would ha- just have like a white shirt and then we would write like Justin Bieber's number one fan and like song <laughs> lyrics and shit. Like... <laughs> I did think of another thing that happened while we were gone though. What? Rush talk or Bama Rush. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. I experienced something similar at TCU. Oh my god. Like, the girls, like, any of my friends that were in sororities hated Rush Week. They hated the chance they had to... As, like, working it or pledging? Working it. Like, they, they, when you're pledging, you're like, oh, wow, like, this is so exciting. Like, but they're like, I have to go all day and, like, get dressed up and just stand there and, like, talk to people all day and then apparently it gets really loud so they all, like, I'm not kidding, they all lose their voices. (laughs) by the end of the week and they just looked so exhausted and like before classes even you'll, start you'll be like, yeah classes have even started and like so i would always get to campus early because i like to just have free time with my friends before mm-hmm. classes started so we'd you'd be like on campus you know going to get food or like doing whatever you're doing and then there's like no joke like a thousand freshmen like lined up outside the greek houses like ready to go in and like you can God. hear the chance going like i want to go away be by it's one of those things where it's like, is this just a habit? Like, is this just since this has been being done, we continue to do it? Or what's the deal? Mm-hmm. What is with this practice? So what was like, what, what was going on on TikTok around it? It was just all the freshmen and little girlies who were posting their OOTDs. And so a lot of articles came out about how Bamara showed us how people are shopping now and mm-hmm. how a lot of these girls are wearing like, Cartier and Hermes but then they're also mixing in like Amazon sets so it's like opposite ends of the shopping spectrum I guess and then Mm -hmm. like all of the dances like you mentioned that they would have to stand like all week talking to these people and but now they have to do all these TikTok videos they have to do dances and like perform for TikTok For what reason? <laughs> like, it's fun. I Like, if you are really into it, I can imagine this being super fun for you. But the yeah. amount of work for this, just to, like, be visible and getting your, like, sorority's name out there and being like, I don't know. <laughs> Greek life is hilarious. I love that, like, there was a time when being in Greek life was, like, a very... And there are probably still places in social groups where that carries a lot of weight and like 
that's like a status thing and like a cult, kind of cultural capital, I guess. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm, I'm kind of bastardizing that term, but like it's a type of cultural capital. Is it capital. anymore? I don't think so. I think, I think the narrative around it has shifted and now it's kind of like, look at these fucking white people. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, it, I'm not a straight apologist, but it is a little bit embarrassing as a heterosexual person. Because, <laughs> like, cause Greek life is a supremely heteronormative activity. The way that we, like, obviously not. There's, like, honor societies. There's, like, multicultural fraternities. And there's, like, there are plenty that are non-gender specific. Yeah. But the, like, the typical, what's called, like, panhellenic. Yeah. The like international Greek life stuff is very heteronormative, and I wonder like if that's part of like a cultural change. I don't know. I just it's that I feel like that's just an interesting case study of how like the master narrative, mm-hmm. I guess, is not what it was. This almost reminds. Have you ever seen people make jokes about how, like, if a bully from an '80s movie went to a, like tried to <laughs> bully people that way today, like, they'd get their shit rocked or like get arrested? Like, have you heard this? I have not heard this. So if you watch an <laughs> '80s movie, the bullies are always like, like they're like, "Hey, slur," <laughs> and then they like punch them in the face and rob them. And it's like, <laughs> you, if that happened today, like, there would probably be a lot of kids that are like, "Don't ever use that word," and like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a prosecutable offense like mm-hmm. it that kind of reminds me of the thing too like it just feels like there's it's a we're, we're a little more open to like what like to use your phrase a like socially dominant life could look like directly being able to see that is insane because you hear you i heard of like i went to a small liberal arts school that didn't really have greek life but mm-hmm. Obviously, like, we did have frats and sororities, but they weren't, like, nationally recognized, whatever. But, like, you've heard of these stories from other Southern universities, but now we can see the process of recruitment. You can see the date nights. You can see all that now. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is insane. I'm going through some stuff right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting rid of stuff, getting ready to move. And I was throwing something away, but I wanted a picture of it. This was my thought process. I was like, ah, I just don't need this. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's old, like it's an, I used to have it on my wall in like my college dorm room. So, okay, I'm gonna get rid of it, but it, it's nice, it was a gift, so I'll take a picture. And I was like, that's so weird that I was like, I'm gonna get rid of it without getting rid of it. Yeah. With I will preserve. And like, what are you going to do with the photo? What a, yeah, I know. I'm going to find the picture <laughs> 20 years later and be like, nice, and then just yeah. move on. Like, why did I do that? So strange. God, I remember the whole like minimalism movement a couple years ago, and like decluttering and everything. And there was one where it was like, get rid of cards and other other stuff like take a photo of it and you can throw away the actual thing and I did that to a bunch of my stuff I threw away like a lot of cards that like my grandma gave me and friends and family have given me and now I just wish I still had them it's hard to know what to do with like physical I really like to like archive I like to like have collections of documents from like past things like play bills Mm-hmm. ticket stubs and like i keep oh i hate like that, that they don't print ticket stubs anymore i know <laughs> um it's about because you can't make like a scrapbook yeah out of yeah it's hard though because it yeah it's a weird decision because it's like am i going to keep this physical thing we mentioned the strike we didn't really go into the strike but we mentioned the strike yeah that's it's inter- that's another one where it's it's very interesting to watch and yeah. the strike is interesting because i because of how much it has to do with like old and new media. Um, Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with like, hey, the old broadcast rules don't seem to be working for everyone in the streaming world. Mm -hmm. And then with the dash of AI is going to replace all of us, 
and it's gonna start with those that write for a living and it's also it's interesting how this really puts the the um spotlight on unions and i think that's another thing that i'm wondering if out of this the media presence of union organizations might start to become something important maybe it already is and i'm just not aware of it i saw an article recently about the uh american airlines union negotiations and i actually know a lot about that because my dad is a check airman and he volunteers with the airline union and he has for a long time so he's done some data analysis for them and like Basically, it's a very strong union and they're in the end phase of negotiations to get a lot of back pay for all the pilots. And it's the pilots union. They have a Mm -hmm. separate union for flight attendants and other roles like engineers and stuff. Um, But the pilots union is very strong and they're about to get a lot of back pay that they should have gotten apparently over the past three years. The article was just about like, hey, like here's a case study of a strong union and like I don't know. I, I the only time I ever heard about unions growing up was like when you learn about Cornelius Vanderbilt and like how (laughs) he basically tried to pay people nothing to work Mm. all the time. Like, you know, like robber barons and like, oh, now we like need an eight hour work day or Mm -hmm. people just will be worked to death. And like, I wonder if, if unions will be a larger discussion the way they have been in the past. There's a lot of uh, university workers unionizing right now too, like grad students at Georgetown there was one right after I left or as I was leaving I I saw people petitioning at Columbia the other day for grad student union I was like yeah like hell yeah yeah I hadn't really noticed that there are several news stories right now with unions kind of at the front of mind that's that's interesting and then with Labor Day all of the posts were like on this day let's remember all of the strikes and the unions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so now it's like no longer just happy Labor Day it's all right, here's an actual thing that we could be doing right now. Yeah, yeah, that is, you're right. I I observed that too. I work for a mid-sized organization embedded in a huge organization, like $5 billion annual operating budget. And my, my, the COVID policy is dictated by the, uh, big system. Okay. So I get COVID and I call and they say, okay, you have to like, you're off this week. And then on Monday you need to retest. And if you're negative, then you can test again on Wednesday. And if you're still negative, you can come back Thursday. I was like, okay. Um, I am a grant writer and I work hybrid so I can do everything I need to do from home. Um, can I return to work sooner? No one knows. I've tried to communicate with so many different people, like the occupational health office, like my HR person, my manager, especially since like the regulations changed four oh. months ago, which in bureaucracy time is very, that's no time to respond. Yeah. Um, no one knows. And so I have to just like, I basically, I just got an email while I was sitting here that was like, if you're not cleared, you can't work. And like, I've definitely been working, which like, I don't, like I, they, I needed to just go to a meeting and so yeah. I went cause I'm healthy. I'm negative yeah. and I'm where I work, but you're telling me that I have to wait to do it. Like what I have to do on Friday when I have a deadline. Like yeah. I tested negative. Like I, I, I'm going to a yoga class tonight. I did an hour of yoga yesterday and went on a three mile walk. Like I'm not sick. Uh, and that just is so silly to me that we have this, uh, new way of being that makes it possible for us to do remote work and by new Mm -hmm. i mean like the vibe shift was like a decade ago at this point it's been a while and so for a system as vital as uh as vital an area as healthcare to be so woefully un uh accustomed to this sort of thing is baffling especially after the past three years I know. It, it just to me that speaks to the ongoing need for people like us to look into what technology does to us because it like 
this is already outdated. <laughs> we got goggles now. We got a lot. We got Neuralink coming down the pipe. We got AI coming down the pipe. Like what we're trying to adapt to now with all our digital tech, like by the time we get even close, it's already too late and we got to get ready for the next thing. And no one's on the same page level understanding wishes. I think there's, like, yeah, I mean, there's so much complexity in... Like, I was thinking about this too. Like, when you work an office job, I'm working my first office job, which is like, it's so scary. Wow. I love like, playing office <laughs> is hilarious. Like, sometimes there'll be something really quick I want to ask my boss about. It's like, a, she's like a minute, maybe a two minute walk down a hallway. And if it's like a yes or no thing, I'm like, well, I could just text. If I was working from home, I would just text this. Yeah. But then if there's like a longer thing, I would maybe email. But when yeah. you're in person, then there's another option. And I'm like, this is so stupid. Like it doesn't, I don't need to be here because the work can be accomplished easier with me from home. I don't know. I guess that's just my rant about wanting to work from home, which I know a lot of people can relate to, but. Oh, let me throw another one in there. Sure. Requiring people to have meetings in person, but because there are remote participants, everybody is in their own office with the door shut all on the same Zoom call. Yes. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, What's the point? I don't know. And it's also like when you when you're when you're talking about how tech is implemented in organizations, there's also an element of like there are. There are people, older people, lots of older people and people of varying educations in the the institution. And so, like, how do you make it work for them when this technology has effectively left like left the older generations behind mm-hmm. and is very mysterious to some people. Like, yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with that like in the first couple days, like I'll say something and then they'll respond like, oh, I'm not a tech person. And like the thing that I say, I don't think of as like technical. I think mm-hmm. of it as like, like a trade skill almost. Mm-hmm. Like it's like secondary, but that's, by virtue of when I grew up that I feel that way. And so yeah. how do you make everyone happy? Do you make anyone happy? You cannot. Yeah. I have a whole other thing. Yeah. When you start your own business, you can like write off your quote unquote office space that you have in your home. There are calculations that you can do. Like, I think it's on like the IRS website of like how many square footage that you use in your house that's used as office space. <laughs> wow. What makes you think that if I am working at home, I am stuck to this sliver of the room and I'm not like on my bed, in the kitchen, in the dining room, in the backyard? At the park down the street. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? I, I, my work is not tied to a place. That's Mm -hmm. the entire goddamn point. Yeah. (laughs) That's very interesting. That's a good observation. I have one more unrelated quick thought. Yeah, let's go. In our episodes reacting to Emma Chamberlain's daily life, Emma Chamberlain Mm -hmm. is an influencer for those that haven't seen that or don't know her. She mentioned how having a water bottle that she likes, specifically a hydro flask, makes her drink more water. And I said that, like, I I went on a whole tangent about that, Mm -hmm. how, like, products are endowed special powers that don't do anything until I bought a sick-ass water bottle. That has actually been making me drink more water. And maybe Is it the Owala? It's a Walla, yeah. <laughs> um, so I it was on sale at Whole Foods and I was like, I love this color. I need a new water bottle. I'm gonna get it. Mm-hmm. So I got it. And it has a straw you can sip or swig. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just here's the thing. <laughs> I hate most products I see. So when I find something that, in my opinion, is well designed and feels like sturdy, like it'll last me a while, I get very excited about that thing. And yeah. I feel that way about this water bottle. <laughs> um, but I just, so I just wanted to issue a public apology to Emma Chamberlain because I do understand your point much better now. I'm sure she'll hear this and she'll probably shoot me a text and let me know that we're all, we're all good now. Um, <laughs> so proud. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening.
Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on Instagram at Media Culture and Y Pod, where you can share your thoughts, engage with us, and we'll keep you updated on new episodes. Join us next week where we'll unpack another part of our media lives. Bye. Bye.